As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hey, everybody, it's Seth. We have our first sponsor today, and it's a fantastic gentleman named Alex Hillman, good friend of mine. He released a book earlier this fall called The Tiny MBA, 100 Very Short Lessons About the Long Game of Business. It's all about business and sales and why people buy money and success, branding and marketing, professional decision-making, investments, dealing with your clients, and for those who don't know Alex, he started Indie Hall. I think it's one of the first, or if not the first, co-working spaces in Philly, as well as in the nation, if not the world. And this book is fantastic. It is 107 pages full of great knowledge. You can get through it in a half an hour, but you're going to want to go back again and again. You can pick this up at socl.bz slash tinymba. That's socl.bz slash tinymba. I can't put it down. You won't be able to either. Check it out. SOCL.BZ slash TinyMBA. Thanks, guys. And thanks, Alex, for sponsoring the show. You're listening to the Digital Marketing Dive Podcast. Welcome to the second season of the Digital Marketing Diet Podcast. I'm Seth from Goldstein Media. With me is the amazing Shannon McGill of Diamond Business Consulting. It is episode 12, and it is this season's first guest, Alex Hillman, of a bunch of different things, as we joked on the live stream before we started recording. But he is best known, I think, in Philadelphia as the co-founder of Indie Hall, which I think might actually be is it not? I have to know this. Is it the first co-working space in America or the world, or is it one of the first? We were one of the first. We are, I believe, the longest running. So the places Ooh. that were around before us have 
all either gone out of business or changed their business model pretty dramatically. So we're the we're the dinosaur of the co-working world in America. Amazing. Well, it was 2006, right? That's correct, 2006. And and it predates the building too, doesn't it? Wasn't it National Mechanics? Yeah, before we had our own place to call home, we were borrowing other people's places to call home. I love uh, it. Indie Hall really started more of a, wanting a club of other creative solo entrepreneurs, people who had left the job to do their own thing, but then mm-hmm. felt sort of isolated and lonely and, and wanted to know who the other people were. And uh, it was tough to find those folks. And then eventually the club wanted a clubhouse. And 15 years later, here we are. Exactly. And it's evolved. And it's going going strong with COVID. And I think it's evolved in an amazing way as well. So Alex is also the author of, and full disclosure, they're a sponsor of the show. As you can see from from the bug at the very beginning of the show. The Tiny MBA 100 Very Short Lessons About the Long Game of Business. Now, this book, as I've always, I've always say, is fantastic. It's not just because Alex is a good friend of mine and all that. It's a quick read, but you're going to want to read it like 15, 20 times because it, it's, it's so much good stuff in it. And you might read it through, but then you'll go back and say, wait, I missed that one. Or I read it, but I didn't fully grasp it. And you just go back. And it's like reading good poetry. It is packed with information and mindsets. Like I have an ottoman and a tray on the ottoman and it sits there. So when those pesky commercials come on for Netflix and Hulu, pick that baby up. And I'm. You're in it. I love love learning the places that people keep their copy. I hear from folks that. (laughs) Because you're right. It's it's like uh, I wrote wrote it with with the idea in mind that it's a thing you can read quickly, but you want to kind of keep at your fingertips. And some people keep it like tucked right under their computer monitor. Um, I love that it's like on your ottoman, you right right by by when there's always that break. My favorite so far is people saying like they keep it in the bathroom. And I was oh, like, I figure that is like a perfect bathroom read. <laughs> perfect bathroom. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's an insult. Hey, it means they're gonna read it. That's right. <laughs> You are also, I mean, as if as if two things isn't busy, keep you busy enough. And I, know more, I know you're up to more stuff too, but like of the three things that I, I think that are very public out there, is also stacking the bricks with, with the amazing Amy Hoy. You have something called 30 by 500, which I want you to explain at some point because I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, we can fix that for you. Absolutely. Yeah. You've been on a bunch of podcasts and all that, and I've listened to it. I have a gist of what it is, but you know, there, but Alex has done so much. And so let's, let's start off at the beginning. It's origin story. You know, the very origin, but you can say, who are you and why should we care? I give us a little background on, on you. Sure. Well, you know, my background is in sort of technology and software. I got into doing web development when I came out of, out of school, spent some time working for agencies, and then realized that you know, I wanted to do my own thing. So I've been out as an independent since the 2005, 2006, right around the same start as Indie Hall. Indie Hall, the creation of was very much a reaction to, I'm on my own now. Wait, I miss having coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thing that I think is the through line through all of the work that I've done since then is it's less about the technology and software and things like that. I, I, I'm native to it. I like it, but it's, it's more about how 
people use it and how people use it to connect with Indie Hall and how people use it to build opportunities and to help people, I think is really another really theme through all of my work is helping people help each other, whether it's Indie Hall, a community space, or even the work with Stacking the Bricks, we teach creative people business skills and marketing skills, but at the heart of it, it's how do you be helpful and how do you be helpful at scale? So it's all about helping people help themselves and help each other. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love that. I, my company, uh, Diane, our whole thing is small businesses stronger together. Let's link arms and everyone move forward. Mm -hmm. The whole mentality of small business owners being cowboys and out there doing it themselves is so outdated and so mm -hmm. honestly disastrous for small business mm -hmm. owners. And so I love that you pointed that out. And I love that that's what your services and, and offerings are built around. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, that's shown up in, in, so we've got Indie Hall's membership community. Stacking mm -hmm. the Bricks is a business that focuses sort of on the education side of things. So we have digital products, eBooks, video courses. Um, the Tiny MBA was our first print book uh, that came out last year. And then uh, podcasts, articles, all kinds of, you know, digital media and stuff like that. But, but the education has become sort of a personal passion. I think learning and learning design is something I've, I've gotten to do a lot of and really, really enjoy teaching what I've learned and sharing so that other people can benefit. Great. So all right, let's, all right, since you, there's so much to Alex and we're not going to, this is going to literally be the cliff note version of Alex Ullman here. And look, if you want to know more about Alex, he's accessible. He's all over social media. I mean, the book, wasn't this book written on social media? The tiny MBA started on Twitter. Absolutely. Yeah. Twitter's probably the online, the social media watering hole you're going to find me most regularly. That's my, yeah. that's my, that's my local watering hole, so to speak. But yeah, you that can, you awesome. can search me out. I'm, I'm online. I'm, I'm imminently Googleable. <laughs> yeah. You look for Alex Hellman. It's not like when you have the last name Goldstein, Seth Goldstein. And surprisingly enough, there's a lot of me. Not me. There's only one of me. But <laughs> that's there's right. only, there's only, yeah, I was like, yeah, there's only one of you. But uh, any, anyhow, let's talk a little bit about Indie Hall because Indie Hall, I mean, I I've, haven't been to the current space. It's not open right now because of COVID. But I had been to the one on Third Street, which is also known as, if you do Elite Speak, Nerd Street. That's right. Um, proudly Nerd Street. Um, but it's a great space, very friendly people, all that stuff. But how did Indie Hall, I mean, where a lot of these co-working spaces are struggling, I mean, Indie Hall is not, not struggling, but I mean, how's Indie Hall doing during COVID? Let's talk a little bit about the online community, because I'm, I'm a member. I can't say anything but the nicest things about it, because it's amazing. Yeah. So you have to remember that when when we started Indie Hall, it was not because I needed an office. It's not because anybody needed an office. It's because we didn't want to be by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that that being at the heart of everything we do and really at all the desi design decisions that we make, all the business decisions that we make is in service of people having the physical or mental, emotional space to build connections, build trust, build relationships we'll prioritize that ahead of basically everything else. So, you know, that existed before we had the place, but then we created the place and the place was a reflection of that. Mm. You know, it wasn't me saying, I'm going to create a space for other people. It was me realizing there was people who wanted a place 
I went out, I took some of the risk. I signed a lease. We made some decisions. We created a business model that would allow it to be sustainable. But the creation of the place came from the hands of the members. Um, if you're familiar with the idea of barn raising, you know, very popular in places like Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, a barn is built by the community for a new member of the community as an act of of wow. co-creation. And, you know, in some ways that changes the physical thing, right? Because different people have laid hands on it and they influenced the decisions and how it looks and how it, you know, what functions and features it has. But it more importantly changes the emotional relationship between the people in the place and the people in each other. And I think that's what has always set Indie Hall apart is it's not the, like the place is a tool. Indie mm -hmm. Hall is a people. You know, I love the, the quote from Adam. Well, Adam's one of my teammates at Indie Hall and he'll quote um, the line from uh, from Thor in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, is uh, Asgard is not a place, it is a people. And Indie Hall is not a place, it is a people. We have it's placed so together online and offline. And during COVID, one of our places to gather, the offline one, we had to close. And that's been really, really hard because, you know, online community and offline community are not the same thing. They're not a replacement for each other. They never have been, and I don't believe they ever will be. But I think the 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 realization that the things that people came to Indie Hall for, not yes, they physically came to place, but when they thought of Indie Hall, mm -hmm. where did Indie Hall fit in their life? It was, you know, I'm I have a question. These are people that I trust that if I ask a question, I get a useful answer. It's Even so if fantastic. I don't have a specific person that I'm asking, I can put a question into this tiny little, you know, version of the, it's like a, a microcosm of the internet. You put a question in the internet, you never know what you're going to get back. It may be useful. It may not be useful. You put a question out in Dindy Hall, you're essentially guaranteed to get a valuable, trustworthy answer back. And that's super, super valuable. It's also a place where, especially during the pandemic, where let's be honest, it's been tough. This is a mentally taxing experience people's businesses are in in their careers you know maybe they've lost a job they've lost lots of clients whatever it is you know or you know just the elements of isolation the fear and uncertainty of this wild experience that we're going through having people that you can open up to and not feel like you're going to be you know judged or or critiqued or you know people who are like all the good parts of your coworkers where they get you and you can bounce ideas off of each other without all the bad parts of coworkers where being vulnerable potentially puts you in a position where somebody now has power over you those power mm. dynamics of the workplace it's not that any all lacks power dynamics i'd be fooling myself and and you your listener <laughs> true but the power dynamics are really different mm -hmm. and and they, they allow for folks to build trust and relationships Mm -hmm. What comes from those trust and relationships, in my experience, generally only good stuff. So yeah. you know, shifting all of our energy into doing that exclusively online has been challenging because the tools are way behind the curve. Everyone else is learning this at the same time as we are, and that mm -hmm. includes the people that make the tools. And the tools are playing catch up, not, no, not, uh, we're not yeah. catching up with them so much. Well, Discord, which, we're, which, which Indie Hall is on, you know, one of the many tools where the people chat throughout the day has i thought i think it's done a very very quick and good catch up with the communities realizing that they're not just for gamers anymore that people are using this for everything under the sun 
I think they're I think they're catching up faster than I thought they would. would. Like when we first got on, I remember I was one of the first people in Indy Hall to get into Discord and like start knocking around in there. It wasn't like it is now. It and it might be because of what it is what you make of it. I think that's the big thing. Yeah. Is the tool hasn't changed a lot. Really? The I mean, this perception. The fact that we've gotten the tool was in, it was built in a way where we could kind of shape it to be our own, and that's the thing that that our Discord had in common from the physical space. We moved into a physical space and we got to shape it to the way that we wanted and we needed, and we included the community in that process. Discord and every other kind of tool and platform we've used with Indie Hall. That's that's part of our playbook. Is we're not going to just like spin up a tool and say, okay, we use this tool now. We open up the discussion we make a decision and we say all right well now we get to shape and mold this and, and make decisions together that are in the interest the best interest of of the whole That's i awesome. love that you include like the entire community i covid brought so much heartache there's no denying that there are a few things that highlighted the need for and the beauty of and the importance of and that you keep hitting on that people aspect of community yep. and authentic community. And it's not just about going to a networking event and trading business cards. It is about having a community and small business owners and entrepreneurs who are going out on their own, um, sometimes for the first time, sometimes not, but they need that community. People who understand, I got to be honest, my friends get really tired about hearing about my business, right? (laughs) They get really tired of it. And and so having those people surrounding with trusted answers, because we don't, we know what we're passionate about. We know what we're energetic about. We do not know everything else surrounding that we need to know for that business. So I love what, I love what I'm hearing. I think everything you said is, is, is key. And, and I think there's another layer to it that wasn't super obvious to me for a really long time. And we've been talking a lot more about recently which is, and you sort of touched on, you know, people who are maybe going out for the first time. And I think there's a common theme among people in Indy Hall that that transition is part of the experience they're going through. And right now, all of us are going through lots of transitions, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think Indy Hall is an environment that it is a place where people can embrace transition because they're not, they know they're not the only one going through it. Absolutely. And there's a really good chance that someone else is going through the transition you are now and you can, you know, have camaraderie or commiseration, whichever you need. Right. Or, or, and or there's someone who has already gone through the transition that you're going through, a professional transition, for instance, um, where somebody else can say, like, here's what you should know. Here's what I wish I knew. Here's what I wish somebody told me. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to bump into this thing. It's unavoidable but know that when you bump into it it's not because you made a mistake or because you're bad at what you do this is just it's part of the game and when you're going out into and again we say you know we're talking about going out on your own in a business sense but i think it's true in any kind of shift where the thing that you're doing and the thing that you used to be doing are different being around other people who are going through it or have gone through it is it's the closest thing to a superpower i think you can actually you can actually get in the real world is being surrounded by other people who you can be confident are looking out for you. And that's absolutely at the heart of what we aim to create with, with the spaces that we have. It's awesome. And let's, let's move along to tiny MBA. This started back. Did this start right before the pandemic? It started like in January of last year. I wrote, I wrote the original on Twitter. 
on Twitter, as I said, it were the original 100 tweets that eventually became the 100 lessons in this book uh, a couple days before Christmas 2019. Okay, yeah. And what what was the impetus? Like, like number, I mean, I know why you did it on Twitter because if anyone knows Alex, he's very big on Twitter. <laughs> like he, likes, he, he likes to meet him and he likes to talk on there and all that. It's, it's great and there's no, no problems about that. So it was the question why we, a book? Yeah, well, no, not just why a book, but like, where did the whole idea of the 100 tweets come from? Even? Sure. So the 100 tweets was part of a challenge that was kind of floating around. A couple of folks um, had that I knew had done it where they sort of turned it into a little game where the, you, you post the first tweet of the game and you say, uh, for every like that I got on this tweet, I'm going to reply with an idea or an observation or a lesson or something about a theme that I know a bunch about. And it was meant to be more of a, a thinking and writing exercise. Um, so like a brainstorming exercise. Mm -hmm. And I picked the theme of building a business for the long game. So not the, you know, hyper growth rocket ship startup, not build it to flip, but build a business that you actually want to run for a while. I've got Indie Hall that I've been running for 15 years. I've got Stacking the Bricks that I've been running for little over 10 now with Amy. Um, and so like these are businesses and I intend to be running them for as long as it makes sense to like the goal is not to build them and sell. So that informs all the decisions that we make. So I was like, let me let me use that sort of brainstorming mechanism that challenge to see what I can do. And I said, I'll do uh, one, uh, one thing, one reply per like up to 100. And uh, Got a hundred, got more than a hundred likes. That Twitter yeah. thread um, went went fairly viral. It, it spread over the course of those couple of days. Um, more than it getting lots of views, it got lots of responses, That's and those awesome. responses continued for multiple months. So I finished that in, in December. Two months later, I had we'd gone away. I went to a conference overseas, came back, and this thing still was getting retweets and replies wow. and people saying. You know, That's why awesome. hasn't anybody ever said it this way? Or, wow, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. The fact that people were still interacting with it to that degree later, I was like, there's something here. Maybe I should think about ways to make this more accessible to more people. And we've done, with Stacking the Bricks, we've done digital products before. And that was kind of the obvious path. Mm -hmm. But I was also thinking to myself that you know, given that the way people were interacting with it were each like individual tweet was almost a, its own thought. And each tweet could be an on-ramp into the rest of the, the, the 100 that making it a physical book made it possible to kind of like flip through, like you were saying, Shannon, commercials on flip through, pick one and go, well, what does that mean for me today? Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit inspiration from, uh, things like the, um, there's a, a musician named Brian Eno who has a mm -hmm. deck of cards called the Oblique Strategies, um, where you pull a card off the deck and it kind of gives you a little mental creative exercise to break you out of creative ruts. Um, some folks have also compared it to, you know, some older you know, Buddhist teachings, short parables, mm -hmm. things like that, where you you pick up one thing and it's you, the, the goal of reading it is not necessarily to have learned a lesson from that sentence or sentences, but for it to jog your thinking and kind of cause a little bit of reflection. And yeah. once I realized that was kind of how people were using the tweets anyway, I thought that a book might A, be something that people would buy mm -hmm. and B, that they, if I framed it correctly, that people would actually read it and use it in that way mm -hmm. as a reflection tool, as a thinking tool, as much as a, an educational tool. 
And um, and so far, uh, that's exactly what we've seen. It's been really pretty amazing. It kind of is. It kind of is a modern day Buddhist kind of like has a sense of business Buddha. I don't know. It's something. Like, it's just, it, it's very thought provoking for the business world, but very Buddha like. It's very harmonious. What I love about it is I am very much a visionary, and so I and. As any entrepreneur and small business owner, we get caught in working in our business, right? And just having those few little sentences, it does. It makes me kind of focus in on what needs to happen, where I'm at, what, where we're going, those kinds of things, instead of constantly thinking about what needs to happen with this client, what needs to happen here, what needs to, right? It, it's that introspection as a small business owner. Yeah, the the goal is really to kind of bring you back to why you got into it in the first place. Yeah. We get into business for all kinds of reasons, sometimes with big aspirations, sometimes with, you know, hopes of making an impact. And then we get wrapped up in the, the little day to day stuff that is important. Obviously, the work needs to get done, but it's it's tough to zoom out sometimes. Mm. And, you know, the reasons to zoom out, the need to zoom out um, and the way we need to zoom out varies. And what's wild, I'm saying this completely honestly. I can flip. I wrote, I wrote the book. I can flip the book open. I can use the book myself. I can use the book. The That's same way awesome. Yeah. And I open it up and I go, well, you know, it's, it's sort of like, so one of my favorite descriptions recently was somebody said the book is like having a business advisor, you know, kind of looking over your shoulder and That's gives awesome. you that one line of advice that you need right in that moment when you need it, it makes you go, Oh, right. I did know that. Most of this isn't going to tell you something you don't already know. There might be a couple of things that are new to you. If you're brand new in business, there's going to be more that's new to you. But if you've been in business for a little while, it's not like the most mind-blowing thing that you haven't heard yet. It's more of a way of framing the things that you need to hear when you need to hear them to make a smarter decision that is in the best long-term interest of you in the business. Right. It it's keeps perfect. focused on that target, right? Exactly. It brings your focus back to the target. And that's what yeah. I love. Yeah. Absolutely. And so let's touch briefly on the so stack in the bricks is kind of other than Indy Hall is like your other overarching conglomerate at business term. Sure. It's, 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 it's my, it's my, um, it's, it's my own company. Universe. <laughs> it's your holding company. That's that right. So many Amy Hoy holding company. No, but what, like what in stack in the bricks, you have a whole bunch of different, products amy has some good ones in there some have some expletives that we will not say on the stream but okay, we're getting it, got it but you know but you can go there and you can see it's a great book i bought it and it's a great book it, just go look at that yeah, well let's go over there and pick it up just the f word in it but it's a very apropos use of the word so we'll leave it that but what is 30 by 500 sure so 30 by 500 well, we'll start with what, like why those numbers, yeah, because uh, it's it's relevant. The the first thing I'll say is this is a marketing show. If you're making a product or a service, do not name your product or service a math equation. Uh, take it from <laughs> me, someone who has done this. People will get the math equation wrong. People will be confused by the math equation. We are too far down the rabbit hole now. People know and recognize the math equation, even if they say the wrong one. Um, but people recognize. I had to check a few times. So. The when Amy and I first started working together, we did not set out necessarily to create a business. We didn't even necessarily set out to teach stuff, but we both had started our businesses. Amy had left her consulting practice to start a software company with her husband. 
I had started building Indie Hall and was having success with that. And the two of us had a common theme to our approach of building our businesses that was not obvious from the outside and more importantly was very different from the way a lot of other people were approaching starting their businesses, especially in the startup world where, you know, the first step to starting a company is you go out and you raise some venture capital, get some investor to give you some money so that you can build the thing and then eventually have customers. And we mm -hmm. took a completely different approach that had us you know, profitable on day one, where we started with a set of potential customers that we had a connection to. We took the time to really deeply learn who they were, what we, what challenges they had and how we could solve those problems for them and then built a business around that. And that sounds really simple and straightforward, but that was basically unheard of in like online business land, especially in the startup world. And we had tons mm -hmm. of friends who were hopping from, you know, corporate job they hated, startup job they hated, back to another corporate job they hated. Maybe they'd go yeah. out and raise some venture capital to build a business that they hated and never exploring that area in the middle of building a healthy, profitable business focused on serving customers using the advantages and resources that they already had. They were just completely ignoring that. Mm -hmm. And the number 30, by the name 30 by 500 came from the equation of reminding those friends that if you can find 500 people on the entire internet, which is not a lot of people among a ton of people, 500 people on the entire internet, and if you can create just $30 of value for them a month, 500 people times 30 times 12 months is $180,000 a year gross, which for a Bay Area you know, programmer salary in 2008 and nine, these days that's you know half a million dollars or more, but 180 grand was like a pretty healthy average programmer salary. So we said, take the big goal. Don't try and ask yourself, how do I create a $180,000 business on day one? It's what are the small pieces that add up and you can reconfigure to make that goal achievable? Maybe not on day one, but steadily over a period of time. So that's the name of the business, the origin of the business. Uh, that's where also where stacking the bricks comes from. It's like take the take a, a wall doesn't come out of the sky or all in one piece. You Ooh, build out yeah. of the smaller pieces, you glue them together, and then you have a whole structure. So 30 by 500 was, is sort of the flagship course among all of these other you know, smaller ebooks like Just Effing Ship, um, the Tiny MBA. Uh, we have a, a course that teaches our research methodology and all these things. Mm -hmm. So 30 by 500 itself is full stack, start to finish, how to go from no one knows who I am on the internet to I can make sales to real customers, to strangers on the internet on launch day. Everything you need to do from A to, from A to Z. And that's starting the same way Amy and I did with identifying an audience that you're well-suited to sell to. How do you find those people? How do you reach them? How do you listen? How do you do research and learn who they are and learn what language they use, what problems they're struggling with that you can help them with, and then build all of the systems around that to do your content marketing, right? Mm -hmm. How to build your email list how to then figure out what products that they would actually buy, how to write high conversion sales copywriting, how to actually execute a product launch. And those are sort of just like the, the core pillars of it in a nutshell. Yeah. But at, what's key is we don't teach how to build an email list. We don't teach how to do content marketing. We teach a system where everything ties back to That's that awesome. audience research where you're never left in a corner wondering, what am I supposed to write today? 
is this headline better than that headline? Everything is systematic and reproducible so long as you're deriving it from that research approach, which we call sales safari. So we've been intriguing to me. I'm loving this. So is it like a workshop? Is it a consulting type thing? Is it just a list of resources that they can access? How does, how does the operation work? So 30 by 500 is a online course. So it's a mix of videos, workbooks, exercises, going to take wow. you through it. So everything you, you watch a video, you learn how to do a thing. We take you through guided practice. So you're actually going to implement the new skill wow. that you just learned or in a total beginner at, we're going to guide you through the first time doing it before you go out into the real world and, you know, do it live for, for real audience, which is kind of scary and you don't want to screw it up and ruin any goodwill that you might have. We also have a, a community of, of our students and alumni that have been putting our processes into practice. That was hard to say. Um, <laughs> you know, that's in itself a couple thousand people and wow. you know, the range of the range of scales of businesses that people are building with the systems could be as you know modest as making an extra ten or twenty thousand dollars a year on the side of an existing full-time job or consulting practice. Sometimes it is people applying these techniques to streamline the consulting practice so that they can be more efficient and invest more time into things like making and selling products. Um, and we've got people that have built like full scale, you know, team, you know, businesses that not just support them, but support entire teams. Wow. And running the gamut. And we're, we're also, this is not about like eBooks, courses, or software. We're kind of format agnostic. The systems that we teach end with what kind of product are you going to create they start with the research and at the end you brainstorm all different kinds of products including yeah. many more beyond what i just said you know we've got people that make money selling templates we've got people that make money uh uh doing services or productizing their services all different kinds of things wow. uh, one of my favorites is you know for as hot as paid newsletters have been over the last six to twelve months one of our um, one of our most successful alumni has a sort of a variation on a paid newsletter that is more about it's an annual subscription for designers who want high quality leads on design projects. Oh, wow. And he goes out and he he pulls down opportunities and he vets them, and then you know that if you're getting leads from him, they've been vetted, they're qualified, and they're worth going after. So like it's the the kind of product can can really be anything the key is is regardless of what it is is it something that people actually want and are willing to pay for and that's what the the structure of 30 by 500 is sets out to teach that's awesome i you might have just gotten two new students alex i know <laughs> i'm like ooh. check it out honestly because here's the thing not only for me but we work with small business owners all the time right i can see that being hugely helpful yeah, absolutely. Let's take a quick break and thank Breezy Masks with their silver nano protected, breathable, lightweight, fog-free, not in the winter because <laughs> nothing's fog-free, but they're in normal temperatures. They are fog-free. Check them out. They have two kinds of masks. The exchange, more protection, five layers of silver nano protection. And then there's a the sports one, which, Shannon, you were just skiing. Were you wearing the sports model? I was. I so find Shen on LinkedIn and you can see her very magnificently modeling the sports model of Breezy Masks. 
Absolutely. And um, at the end of the month, end of March, last Friday, I think this is 28th. Yeah. Um, Leadstra and Diam are teaming up in Indianapolis to run a um, small business workshop seminar. Great. Yeah. Absolutely. Bringing together sales, marketing, accounting, and operations. Those, those fine, you know, things that small business owners struggle with. We're bringing leaders in those areas together. There's virtual options and there's in-person mm -hmm. options. So check out the link for that as well. Awesome. So the link to the, the both of those are in the show notes. I will not drive people crazy with the short URL. Okay, you normally do. So, <laughs> so Alex. Twitter is clearly one of the best places to reach you if they want to reach out to you. Where can people get the book? And that was at a point of contention. Absolutely. So uh, you can get a copy of the book at tiny.mba. I love that. And, uh, and just about everything else that, that we have in the Stacking the Bricks universe is at stackingthebricks.com. Oh, it's awesome. And the fact that you got tiny.mba using those new suffixes properly, I love it. So... Very funny, quick story. Yeah. I, uh, when when we were about I don't know, three or four weeks out from launch of the book and I was getting ready to start building the website, I went to buy the domain and was uh -oh. frustrated to find that it was not available. And I went and almost bought a couple of other variations of it, only to then realize that the reason it wasn't available is because I had already bought it. <laughs> I love it. So. Yeah. Uh, so yes, so the person, I, the I did that the thing where I bought the domain the was you. and promptly forgot about it. Uh, but because it, it's because it's a special domain, it was in a different registrar, which is why I, I completely forgot that I had bought it. <laughs> is, it is it the holidays and like you know, well, in the, during the holidays, it was, like a, it was a nice little holiday present for yourself. So, that's hey, right. wait, I got that. I own that. Yay! Yeah, yeah exactly. That's awesome. So yeah, so check out indiehall indiehall.org. That's right. Back in the bricks.com, tiny.mba. You know, and yeah, at full disclosure, Alex is our lead sponsors of the show. So you, you get to hear about my little take on his fantastic little tome here every episode. So full disclosure, so the FTC doesn't come running after us saying you didn't disclose. <laughs> but anyhow, this is so much fun, Alex. Thank you for being our first guest of the second season. Thank you for having better. me. And Shannon, we're gonna get you in Dindy Hall. Absolutely. More, more Seth all the time, just what you need. First yes. Friday of every month is open hall. So we do sort Friday. of a condensed Next down Friday. version of the kinds of things that are happening throughout the day. We open up to guests, then come in, meet some people, hang out, see how Indie Hall does things. You know, it's folks fun. are understandably often, you know, kind of burned out on online events and hanging out on Zoom. And I totally get it. I'm the same way. I think that what we've what we've figured out along the way is even though in some cases we're using some of the same tools, the experience is different. Like I said, mm -hmm. it's similar to co-working, you can know what an office feels like. The people that are around you really make the difference. Absolutely. Uh, I think that that's, that's uh, it's worth experiencing for yourself. So Love awesome. It. So first Friday of every month, unless it's, I think there's one where it's the second because I think it was Labor Day or something like that. But no, was it? No, it was still the first. First it always, always <laughs> is, absolutely. And the cool thing like about Indie Hall, the virtual version, is we have people from all over the world in there. We have we have Bruno, who's in, hi Bruno, who's you know who's in France. We have a bunch of Canadians up there. It, it's a fantastic community of people, literally not just in Philadelphia, all over the world. 
and hopefully Ohio soon. That's, I was gonna say I'm feeling left out here. Let's just <laughs> oh. gotta, get gotta get you in. Okay, you, we'll get you in. So this is awesome. Reach out to us as you can see the little scrolling ticker below. You can email us at hello at digitalmarketingdive.com. Find us all of our social media stuff at dmd.fm. Find us on the on the bird site, digital marketing dive. You know, and that's marketing is shortened on the bird site. And we will see you next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.